I'm not sure what to do with my hands. Uh, it'd be good just to hold them down by okay. your side. Yeah, great. Well, we were real happy with um, with what was going on. And uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, you got to be happy. What did you say his name was again? His name is Ricky. Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby? He's got two first names. Whatever the hell his name is, let's get him over here. Everything ended up fine. Yeah, okay, okay, everything was fine. Thanks, thanks. Great job, Ricky. Good job in the car. Ricky Bobby, a force to be reckoned with, possibly in the near future. All right, welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. I'm your host, Gus Manti. You may be able to hear that got a new mic. And uh, Max got a new mic as well. Uh, we will not be joined by the other member of Muskies on Tap, uh, Brian Eckel. He had to get up early, couldn't make it on tonight. Uh, we're recording pretty late. It's it's Sunday night after the PMTT, and and we got some good news for everyone. Uh, Max and I were, were able to squeeze out a fifth-place finish, uh, get in the top ten again this year. That's pretty cool. Um, we'll touch way more on it this whole episode. I think this this whole one's going to be dedicated to the PMTT. We don't really have much of a structure other than just going from pre-fishing to uh, this morning. I hope you guys enjoy. And uh, before we get any further, I'll I'll introduce the other Muskies on Tap member here tonight, and that's that's Max Manti. How are you doing tonight, Max? Yeah, feeling, I'm doing good. I'm feeling a little loopy right now after this weekend. That was a lot of work. It was, uh, we got the absolute extremes weather-wise. We were kind of dogging it on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with some pretty hot, muggy, sunny conditions. And then everything changed today. We were we were soaking wet, battling 25-mile-an-hour winds, uh, pretty much poured rain most of the day. I don't know if it hit 55 degrees out there as well, so... Shout out to everyone who who made it through those those conditions today. They were pretty gnarly at some points, but yeah, I'm excited to kind of just riff this episode. Uh, it's not going to have the kind of same structure as we normally do. It just sounds like we'll be recapping our weekend, and I'm really excited to do that. Lot lot to talk about. Uh, unfortunate that our other co-host Brian couldn't make it. Apparently, he just played way too much golf this weekend, so he was pretty tuckered out, which is uh, pretty on par for for Brian. So. He'll be back, I'm sure, next week, and uh, we'll we'll be able to poke fun at him a little bit more then. But let's get into it. It's late. Uh, I'm excited to, to kind of recap, though, and let's get her going. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think before we get a little further into it, I'd like to congratulate the winners, Mark and Nate. They pounded really big fish this morning. I think they got all three of theirs within... I think they're saying on the podium like 45 minutes or an hour or something crazy like that. They they bagged a 52 and three quarters, a 45 and a 44. So congrats to them. Those are some absolute tanks. And then also on the leaderboard representing Eagle River, we got Jeremy and Trevor Barber. Uh, those are huge fish. Congrats to them for bringing those in. That's huge for for giving them a sh- uh, shot to go into the championship. And uh, I think that's back to back years for the barbers and i believe last year was the first year that jeremy and trevor were a team so huge congrats to them that's that's big time yeah i think they got big fish the day on saturday right and then they begged another yep. nice one today they had a what a 45 and a half on saturday and a 46 and a quarter 46 and a half today 
So that's that's an impressive weekend for sure. And yeah, seeing the picture of that fifty two and three quarters was like jaw dropping. I I, I can't remember the last time I've seen a, a Wisconsin fish that big that didn't come out of Green Bay. So that was pretty cool to to know that, you know, we were on some water that actually held that big a fish, that that type of caliber of fish. And obviously we didn't really get to lay eyes on on one that big, but it was cool to see some really nice fish come out. I think overall it was a pretty successful weekend, I think, for the Madison chain. I don't know if the numbers were quite there like people thought, but size definitely was and and that's always fun to see um but yeah that picture of that 52 and three quarters that's that was ridiculous that fish was uh not only long but man was she heavy too right yeah and looking at the picture with all the gear they have on and all that wind i mean you would have thought that was like end of november or something holding right. that fish right yeah and i mean not only that one was caught but there was a handful of other ones today i mean it was uh well, I guess we'll we'll kind of dive back into it, but today just, I mean, geez, with that weather, like it was just a big fish day through and through. I mean, there was another one over 50 caught, a few upper 40s. So yeah, if, if you were able to get out there and battle those, or I guess it, it goes to show if you're able to get out and battle some, some elements and time it up right. Yeah, big fish are a whole different breed. I feel like a muskie and I think they kind of proved that today when they started chomping. Yeah, not a single fish under 40 caught today. Crazy. All big fish, all big fish. Crazy. Well, let's uh let's just I guess kick it off on uh Wednesday when you got down there and then I'll hop in when I got down there on Thursday. Sure. Yeah, I'll start with Wednesday. I got in probably around 4 p.m. Uh didn't leave super early. I had to pack in the morning still. Got down there and decided to just get on Monona for a little bit. Uh, That was the closest lake, and I knew I was going to be picking up some buddies later from downtown. So I, without really knowing too much, I mean, I got some insights from a couple buddies. Uh, That really helped for sure to get some starting points on some spots. Uh, I decided to troll still just because that's a pretty good way to cover water and kind of mark out either weed lines or deep weeds or bait fish. Uh, that was, that was a game plan right away. And I was graced with the, uh, floating weeds they have there. Uh, wasn't, wasn't making it easy to troll. I don't know how those guys were trolling during the tournament with all the floating weeds. I was already getting frustrated from just trolling and pre-fishing. So hats off to you guys for, I, I know, I know one of the trolling teams did make the top 10. So that was, that was pretty crazy, but I didn't see much on the first night. Um, I was mostly, well, I don't, I don't know if any of these three guys are going to listen. Um, but I was kind of, I was kind of doing like the guide role, the babysitting role. Once they got on the boat, I was just handing them the rod and telling them to cast this way. And some random area in Monona, I've never fished we just had to stay out of the wind because the winds were actually pretty gnarly on wednesday and i didn't i didn't want somebody going in the water but uh there's weeds everywhere bait everywhere everything seemed right but we didn't move a fish so there's not there's not too much to tell on wednesday Uh, i didn't really expect much i don't think i was out there for more than a couple hours really but with that we kind of knew in pre-fishing since we've never been to this this system we wanted to spend some time on both Monona and Wabisa. So we're, I went straight to Wabisa the next day. And I think I 
I didn't get out until later in the morning because I was finishing up the podcast from last week. I think as well, I got out there and started trolling. I also didn't know what to expect on Wabisa. I didn't know. I was told that there's like a weed line out there somewhere in that 10, 11 feet or so, but I didn't realize that there was going to be even deeper weeds than that. So I was a little confused on where to troll right away. And I kind of stuck to like a 9, 10 to 12-ish edge and i think i only scored on a few pike i actually got a uh you can troll three lines out there and i was trolling solo with three and i got a double on pike both the down rods went off at the same time and <laughs> i just see two pikes swirl in there because i was short line trolling that those uh shallow weeds and i was like oh well kind of cool but <laughs> that was that was tough to do on my own but so pretty much after those two, you know, somewhat solo, a little help from friends, outings, I didn't have a whole lot to go off of. Um, I mean, I mean, I kind of marked out a few spots on Wabisa there on Thursday. And really, the fun didn't begin until Max got there when we started casting. And that's when we really started honing in on some spots. So I don't yeah. know if you want to touch on something there, Max. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I showed up uh, later on Thursday afternoon. Um, I think at that time we had been pretty much in constant communication and it, it didn't really sound like you were, you know, quote unquote, fishing very hard, you know, more so just scouting and doing a little bit of trolling. So uh, when I when I showed up, you know, I understand the importance of scouting new water, obviously, but it's uh, I wouldn't say it's on the top of my things to do. Um, I, I'm, it's growing on me as far as the tournament aspect goes. I understand how important it is, but I don't get out to, to fish as much as you do. And so, you know, when I'm out on the water, it's like, man, I just really, really want to try to, <laughs> you know, catch some fish. Right. And so, you know, I stayed patient. We, we did some good scouting there for a little bit to start our afternoon. Um, we mapped out a few spots and, and, you know, kind of tried to figure out a few areas, but yeah, I mean, we started, uh, when we started casting, it was almost like instantaneous when we started moving fish and things got pretty exciting pretty quickly. Um, I think the the funny thing to touch on with the pre-fishing more than anything is the fact that, you know, when we started casting, I looked at you and I was like, all right, so what's the protocol here? You know, if, if I have a fish coming in hot on the eight, am I pulling the bait out of the water or am I trying to catch it? And, you know, you told me pretty point blank, like we are, we are not trying to catch these fish right now. We are pulling baits out of the water. Um, you know, you kind of set the ground rules for us. So that was, was good. And we'll, we'll touch on why that was very good for us, uh, here in a second. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty, pretty, um, quick, you know, I think our first pass, you moved a really nice fish and, you know, came, just came off of one of those deep weed edges that I think a lot of people were fishing this weekend that we saw. Um, and then shortly after that, I think we kind of stumbled across a shoreline that, you know, maybe we had recognized from a, a YouTube video or something of that nature. And we were, we were thinking about what to throw. And I remember you'd gotten this new chatterbait and it's like 12 inch chatterbait. We're like, well, this could probably play here. And on that one particular shoreline, uh, you ended up moving, I think it was like five muskies. And I think during that time we're like oh man we we found it we figured it out in the span of 30 minutes that we you know we were on cloud nine we're like holy crap the fish are here we have the bait 
And I guess to expand on one particular fish that I think we revisited again on Saturday morning, luckily. Yeah, that that one particular fish was pretty funny. Uh, we, we were casting off opposite sides of the boat. And I know there was a few other fishermen in the area, and I could tell that they were in the tournament pre-fishing. And this was, I don't know, five, ten minutes after we went through our protocol on what to do with hot fish in the eight. Because, I mean, obviously, if they hit out in the cast, there's nothing you can do but set the hook and, and bring them in. Like, that's that's no problem. But uh, I, I put on that, that new chatterbait, and I think this was the first fish that I raised on it. It might have been the second. I can't remember. But I know it was, like, the first spot. And a low 40s just comes flying in. And obviously, I kind of panic because it's in between. I, like, my brain is calculating on what to do. I'm like this fish is going to eat, but we got a tournament in two days. So I do like a lazy eight fish is still following or sorry. I do a lazy first turn fish is still following. I think I go into my second turn pretty lazy too, kind of just acting nonchalant. I probably should have taken it out at this point. The fish comes up and pretty much engulfs the entire bait hole. I mean, I could see just the front end. And at this point, I think this is when Max off the other, I don't say a word because there's people around and it is not that windy and Max turns around and I think he just pretty much saw the fish come and turn and eat the whole entire bait. And I just kept the line in the water, did not keep it tight, let the fish spit it out, swim right back down and go on to the next cast. Like nothing even happened. Yeah, that was ridiculous, man. I, I remember I just, I don't know why I even turned around. Like I must have saw you maybe twitch or something or caught something out of the corner of my eye and I turned back and there's like a, like you said, a low 40s fish with half your bait in its mouth and you're not doing anything. And all of a sudden you just see the lure just spit back out. Fish kind of, you know, belly rolls a little bit and swims away and you just kind of look at me and I'm just, and in my head I'm like, I don't know if I would have been able to have, like, I would not have had the strength to just let a low forties fish eat my lure without doing anything, letting it spit it back out and then just take another cast. Like absolutely nothing happened. That was ridiculous. It goes against everything in our nature, but we're getting into this tournament stuff. Not for you, maybe not for you, but for me. So I, we're getting, I'm getting into this tournament stuff. I think the proof was in the pudding this weekend of how important uh, that particular, I guess, sequence was um but the you know i think it was like five minutes later i was throwing a, a mini grenade and a fish came in kind of same deal or like my brain just completely malfunctioned and i you know i know you were proud of me i think i took the bait out of the water with like four feet left and the fish peeled off and we put another waypoint down and and kept moving on like nothing like you said like nothing happened i mean there were a handful of other boats in the area that were you know, fishing that clearly we're going to be in the tournament. So, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of like a sport within the sport, like pre-fishing and not trying to catch muskies is hilarious. It's almost like when you're not trying to catch them, they just decide to try to go kamikaze and eat. And then when, you know, <laughs> pressure's on and you got to catch them, it's like, where the hell do they go? But right. um, that was a really fun night. I mean, we ended up moving, I think like nine fish and mm -hmm. most of them were, in a particular area that we ended up spending a lot of time in during the tournament. But I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but we felt awesome after Thursday night. I mean, the people that we were 
in communication with during the, the tournament. Um, you know, we're doing well pre-fishing too. You know, we were seeing pictures of them catching fish and saying they were getting follows. And so I think after Thursday night, I mean, we felt that the tournament as a whole was going to be numbers like it was going to be like more of a shootout than it would be kind of a grind fest, uh, which it ended up ultimately being, but it just felt like those lakes were completely loaded with fish. Like we had heard about, um, you know, it felt like every spot that we went to, we were either seeing a fish, um, you know, in some capacity. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a really promising start. And I think Friday morning, you know, we both decided to, I guess just kind of take it easy. We felt like we had a game plan kind of formulated just after a pretty short amount of time of pre-fishing Friday morning, we went over and checked out Monona. Really the only highlight from that was seeing that like absolute mega giant, just sunbathing on the shoreline, um, mm-hmm. which was, which was crazy. I mean, maybe it was one of the fish that ended up being caught who knows, but I saw it on the surface and I was just like, oh my God, that's a, that's a 50 inch muskie right there. And it was just, you know, sticking its nose out of the water, swimming around. I threw a few baits at it. Cause again, like I don't fish enough and I don't have enough chances to catch a fish of that size that I'm not going to go ahead and just try to catch that thing when I'm staring right at it. Um, I don't blame you, man. <laughs> yeah. Obviously that one didn't eat. Uh, that would have been, that would have been cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, Friday, kind of same deal. We went to Monona. You know, you can touch on it a little bit more, but I think both of us felt that we were pretty confident in the areas we found on Wabisa to grind out a few fish. And I think we didn't spend enough time on Monona to really learn it. It's a big body of water. And so really, we, you know, after just a few hours, we kind of both were like, let's go back to Wabisa look for some more bait, maybe try to find another B, C, and D type spots for the tournament and, you know, drink some beer, eat some food, and get some sleep at that point. Right, yeah. We we just weren't really finding what we were looking for on Monona. And I really think it was kind of a blessing in disguise that I didn't end up moving anything on Wednesday night so that there's nothing to go back on. And then when we went back to Monona on Friday to pre-fish, we ended up going there at probably the worst time possible. I don't think there was a breath of wind and it was maybe 80 some degrees. Um, we were marking some bait. Uh, we were kind of reconvening with some of our buddies and saying like, Oh yeah, that's, you know, that's about kind of the depth we were seeing that at, but we were casting and we were not moving fish other than the one that you saw visually. So that's what kind of deterred us from staying there and going back to Obisa to mark out like you said, our B, C, D, et cetera, type spots. And I'm sure if we stuck it out of Monona, there's a chance we could have moved a fish, a couple fish, maybe another big fish. And that would have made our decision a lot harder. But at this point, we really knew what we had to stick to. And that's just what we had all those fish to go back on. I I, th- I think I'll quick touch on one more of a fish that you did. You did a great job on pulling the bait out. Uh, it, I can't go without saying on this one, but Max was was ripping a tube, and I think it was not long after I told him, or maybe I told him multiple times, I'm like, when you throw a tube on, they either hit it or they don't. And then he gets a fish up in the eight, which is, you know, you it's not as likely with the tube. They're usually going to smack it or stay away from it, and this thing comes up 
you know, as hot as all could be. And, and, and you, I think you did maybe a turn and then you took it out of the water and this fish came so close to jumping two feet out of the water to eat the tube. I mean, it had his nose on the surface and just like halted and then swam straight back down. <laughs> I'm like that, that fish was going to eat. I mean, we could, I think we had three or four. I mean, the one with the bait in its mouth, one where you took it up, you know, the, the grenade out of, out of the way of the fish, like before even the figure eight, the tube one. And I think I had like a 33 or 34 inch or come in hot on that chatter bait as well. And I just took the bait out of the water that, I don't know, that's definitely a crazy thing to do. It's not unheard of. Uh, there's plenty of people that pre-fish without even putting a line in the water, which I think was something that I was leaning more towards. But thankfully, Max was leaning more towards the casting because without casting, we weren't at least figuring out what these fish wanted to follow and, and eat. And I think that really helped us in the tournament kind of pick our baits. Well, you know, I'm, I think like we we have a good balance in that sense because, and I'm, and I'm sure these are for you too, but like for me, I mean, fishing in the PMTT stuff is is a little bit like vacation. Um, You know, it's like a fishing vacation. I get to, you know, go out and fish for three, four days away from my normal job. So I guess, like I was saying before, you know, it just kind of goes against all my instincts of fishing is when like a, you know, you find like you, you, you pound the pavement, you work really hard to get a muskie to even look at a bait. And then, you know, when, when you have it happen during pre-fishing, you got to just take the bait away from the fish. It just, it feels so counterintuitive. It's almost kind of funny. You know, I, I, I ultimately didn't catch a muskie this weekend, which, you know, we'll, we'll get to, but in my brain, it's like, you know, I, I kind of caught, kind of caught two muskies just in a, in a weird way. Yeah. We caught <laughs> muskies. It's, it's a team effort, man. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Did both, and You know, our names are on it. It's, it's, it's our team. So. Yeah, no so what. I I would say Friday night, you know, I don't know how you were feeling, but I, I guess I mean I guess I do know how you were feeling. We we were feeling good. Like we were talking in the hotel before the night. We had a really good game plan on what we were gonna do. Felt clear. We felt pretty confident in the baits that we had chosen for the next day. Uh, you know, like I said, talking with kind of our friends at the the tournament, it seemed like fish were moving around and things were going good. So we were we were fired up. We felt like we really had to put you know, a hurting on them the next day in order to kind of stay in it. And uh, Saturday morning started and typical musky fishing, things kind of changed. Yeah, like you said, we had a really good game plan and we were moving a bunch of fish and we really thought it was going to be a numbers tournament and we thought we just had to get the ground rolling and, and just start catching fish. So we went to our, you know, one of our A1, I think we had like two A1 spots about. I mean, one was for sure a long drift and well something very important i know we both agreed the night before that we were giving this first spot an hour and a half like we were pretty explicit about that and when we get to it in the first you know first in the morning i think did one did you or me move one like in the first I couple moved minutes a, i moved a small one about four minutes into the tournament yeah it probably so would have been scorable um yeah we were putting so many waypoints down in this area i was starting to like forget which fish was which but yeah so we move one right away and definitely felt good about our choice on the spot and i think we kind of get done with it 
and it was about an hour into the tournament. And I think I might have kind of suggested maybe we should go. And I think you were saying, no, 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 we got to turn around, head back to that, you know, cl cluster of waypoints. We got to give that, you know, the hour and a half, like we said, till about 830. And I think at this point I switched lures because I didn't want to go back over it with the same lure. I'm not sure what you were throwing at this point. You might have gone back to the mini grenade potentially mm -hmm. yep. or something like that. And I, I throw on a tube, which uh, recently has been doing really well for me. I got the fish in Cave Run. I got uh, the fish in, in League just this last week. So I throw that on with confidence. I actually... To be honest, didn't even throw it at all during pre-fishing because I was worried that it would just catch. To be honest, those things are just fish catching machines. And that's kind of why we chose blades more so to move fish. But anyways, so I get the tube on and we get back to those cluster of waypoints. And then I got rocked about halfway back just out of absolute nowhere. I mean, I think I was doing up rip, up rip, up rip. I go to do a side rip and just halfway into the rip, I just get stopped dead cold in my tracks. And as soon as I set the hook, that thing goes just flying airborne and then all hell breaks loose. I mean, I don't think it was windy. I think it was dead calm and sunny. We were out of the major. There was absolutely nothing going on, but after catching that first fish, we did realize about five to 10 minutes later, there was a wind pickup. So that fish must have fed right before that wind pickup. But you even said it was about to get tough about five yeah, minutes oh, yeah. before you caught the fish. You said out loud to me, you go, just hang on, you know, just hold on to your horses here. It, it might get a little bit dead for a bit. And I was like, ah, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, if. You got to admit, it felt like it. I think that's why I was wanting to, for some reason, change spots at like eight, because by that, by the time that major got done in the morning, it just felt dead. I don't know. That's usually how it feels when the sun's out and there's no wind, but you just got to stay, stay with your game and don't start, you know, getting all the screws loose in your head and go doing random stuff. We stuck with it. And so, yeah, that, that fish came into the, the net really clean. Uh, you had a nice net on that, and the, we were we were absolutely stoked with that one. Uh, I think we were we were uh, dapping each other up, and I think you might have uh, let out a nice little hoot and holler. Um, yeah, per usual, those tournament fish. I've said it. I've said it many times. Those tournament fish just hit a little different. Oh, they sure do. So, this first fish was forty-one and three quarters. Uh, release that and check down at the maps and this one was in the cluster of that fish that engulfed my entire bait and i didn't set the hook during pre-fishing and let go and that was the same size max same and bars I, same bars same weight i it, we were, like, you you couldn't convince me it wasn't the same fish we are thoroughly convinced that that was the same fish so taking taking hooks away from a fish in the figure eight pre-fishing absolutely paid off for us big time yeah and that was 8 25 a.m you know right before we were gonna cut it off of that spot so that was just almost perfect um i did it's just got the spirits really high it, it you know catching a fish early in a tournament is awesome i mean sometimes it's a good or a bad thing you know start hot and then it's just 
dead for the rest of the time but i mean catching a catching any fish in a tournament is just it's just awesome something i was thinking about on my drive home is you know it's it's crazy to think like tournaments are so different because you know there's so many boats taking off on a body of water where you know you're a little bit more limited you know you you kind of ultimately end up sticking around areas that you feel confident in and you fish them over and over again you know that that's kind of been our motto since we've started doing these tournaments it's really worked out well for us and it's kind of funny because when we go and fish you know just for fun you know with our buddies or whatever and we would go through a spot like we did in the tournament that morning and we wouldn't you know say we don't move any fish or we don't move the fish that we saw the day before we'd probably pull up and go to the next spot rarely do we you know swing around on a spot that we had never moved you know that we didn't move a fish the last hour on change baits and then hit it again from a different angle you know i was, I was thinking about that it's like should we start doing that more often when we're just fishing for fun yeah, because big time you know, it's worked out really well in tournaments for us and and if if it was just you know you brian and i out there on the madison chain you know messing around there's a zero percent chance that we'd go through that spot turn around and go right back through the same spot with different baits and think we were going to get a different result. And and we did. And right. it's just, uh, it was so kind of a weird light bulb moment. I was driving home and I was like, maybe we should start doing that more often. Yeah. I think I completely agree. And definitely the changing casting angles is huge. I mean, I can't tell you how many people tournaments out here in the chain, just anywhere up North here, I mean, and obviously I'm super guilty of it too, but they just get up on a weed line up towards the shore or in that general direction and bring their bait back. And both the fish from this weekend came from having the boat in tight and casting out. Neither fish was well, that... from casting in or down. I mean, another good one to do is going parallel down a weed line. And I know you're doing that a bunch from the front of the boat, which is an amazing tactic yeah. as well. But yes, both of these were from pitching out. Well, that's just it is like you, you end up fishing at all these different angles and tournaments because you're hitting the spot, you know, from the outside in, from the inside out parallel. So you're like thoroughly working the area. And like you said, I mean, that fish didn't respond to, you know, an outside in and then we turn around and it responds to an, out, you know, inside out, you know, way of casting. Um, and we, uh, you know, I think it's, it's funny too, because it almost sometimes makes a little bit more sense in your head. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult to walk a bait down a weed line to the boat. Now, obviously the bait tends to get higher in the water column, the closer you bring it to the boat. And when your boat's in the deepest water, it's almost doesn't really make sense. Whereas if you're fishing inside out on a weed edge, you know, you can cast out, let the bait sink and then walk it kind of up the weed edge as it gets closer to the boat. So if you're able to fish an area like we were, you know, it almost makes more sense sometimes to fish it inside back out. Um, and if you're obviously, if you're choosing baits appropriately, like a tube or a grenade that you can let sink and then bring it up, you know, like we were throwing it just, I don't know. I guess I was, I was kind of just racking the brain on the way home about kind of the angle changes, why we ended up fishing it twice and how it ended up paying off. Yeah. Those are great thoughts, Max. I mean, that's just, money advice for everyone out there on fishing a spot twice through pretty much i mean if you're seeing what you like i you gotta go hit it again i mean even if it's a little further 
you know, down the road or later in the day or something, it's, it's always good to just hit those spots where you got that gut feeling or you see the bait or the, all the signs are pointing to it. Like the wind's beating on this point for the past three days. I didn't see a fish the first time, but I'm going to go attack it from the other way and cast out. I'm going to go hit this parallel down the weed line. Or if it's rocks, you know, you get a deeper diving crank instead of rubber blades and you start smashing into the rocks, making some noise. You know, it's just all those little things to do something different and really just stand out from the crowd. I mean, that's what you got to do in a tournament. And I think that's just, you know, one of the ways that we, we got those fish this weekend by standing out. How much were you shaking when that first fish hit the bag? Well, um, I, a lot of times deal with musky blackout. Uh, I know we're, we were kind of talking about on the phone today, a little bit on the second fish this morning. And I think I said almost everything wrong. You're like, no, you, the fish did this during the fight and this and that, and it got in the bag. And this, I was like, I don't really remember that. It's just, (laughs) I just blacked out, (laughs) but I I was shaking. I was nervous to net it. I was shaking even just netting that fish. I had, I don't, I don't even remember like the shaking, but I know it was happening. Cause I was like moving all over the place. I'm like, okay, bump board. Okay. Get the stickers out. Okay. Grab my phone. We got to call Tim. Uh, we got to get the good pictures. We got to put the fish back in the net. All these things are just running through my head. Like it just happened, you know, cause when a bite window happens, you just, you got to get right back after it. Uh, unfortunately that never really held to anything this weekend. I don't think we did much after each fish catch but either way it's always good to kind of get that process done and through pretty quickly so i think we ended up fishing that area for a little bit longer and then you know ultimately made a move uh down to an area that i had raised a fish pre-fishing in and gus i'm gonna let you talk about this because i think you'll do a better job at explaining it really weird thing we stumbled across mid tournament that we had no like experience during pre-fishing and so i'll i'll let you riff about it but that was a very wild stretch of 25 minutes right after we caught that fish i do want to add too it's like well after you catch a fish in a tournament 8 30 in the morning on day one i mean you're all of a sudden you know, your brain starts going starts going to the podium pretty much you know which is yeah, so long like, to do we're like okay which fish do we go back on now like yeah, we're gonna go to fish waypoints now. The confidence was way too high, and obviously, as everyone knows, that's listening to this. Musky fishing is extremely humbling, but we, I mean, we were like, all right, you know, we were like five. We need five fish. <laughs> so we, you know, we were, yeah. we were setting some lofty goals. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, kind of explain that next spot because we, you know, that was probably the most. I don't know, quote unquote action without catching anything that we experienced for the next two days. Yeah. I mean, I not very often do you get like four follows in the span of like 15 minutes or something ridiculous like that. I mean, I know people have had crazy stories of doing like back to back massive fish, which I think the winners actually went back to back with their uh, 52 and three quarters and like a 44, which is insane. But yeah, the reason we move these, which was kind of something that I don't think anybody in the Northwoods can experience because we don't have floating weeds. And we pretty much go to this next spot where I think Max raised one fish. 
Uh, we might have seen another or something. I know we were running live scope and on pre-fishing, pre and we had some fish kind of come up and go away before they got in the eight. And it's always hard to tell if they're pike or not because we caught so many pike during the tournament. So I think I put down waypoints anyways, but it, it turns out a lot of those muskies were in the same areas the pike were, which is usually not the case up here. But anyways, we go down to the spot. I think at this point, the wind had kind of halted a little bit. Uh, it might have been coming just from a different direction. This spot was calm. Uh, it was a popular spot, but there was floating weeds everywhere like there's this whole strip of floating weeds along the whole area that we wanted to fish and i kind of got there and i'm like uh uh oh like is this gonna cause a problem with running our baits clean um so we just kind of started tossing at the edge of them and then we realized that there's kind of pockets in there but we're still in like somewhat deep water and we were just i think we we're both running tubes at this point because they're they're getting the cleanest cast through these weeds. And we started working them in the middle of this floating weed bog, basically. And while we're doing this and getting in there, we're watching like three boats around us. They'll come flying up into this weed thing, trolling, and they go skirt and stop bringing their trolling rods or like clearing them. And then they just get out of there. And I see this casting person just go perfectly way around it and then go back around because they're like, I don't want to go through that. Yeah. We moved four fish directly in the center of that thing and we really think that they were using the floating weeds as cover. <laughs> which was Yeah, that was that was crazy. I mean, it might not sound crazy to some of you guys. I a, a buddy of mine told me he watched a thing about Jeff Hansen, one of the main guides down there, talk about using like big joes and tubes without front hooks and tossing them up as high as he can and then letting them plummet down into the weed, like the floating weed pockets, and then ripping them out of there. We weren't exactly doing that, but we were still kind of pitching. And I think we raised two that were in the low 40s and two that were in like the mid-ish 30s. And those waypoints were just peppered in there. And we're like, okay, this is awesome. Now we have a ton more fish to go back on. We know right where they are they're in this one little area i mean you could just spot lock and cast in a circle around the boat and hit like three of the four of them they're that close and on saturday there was a really big wind shift and it i don't remember if it happened while we were there because we kind of sat there a while because in a tournament it's you know we like to just sit on spots you know if you know there's fish there you just pretty much wait until they bite and that this, wind that wind shift happened almost right after our like that's first right and a half time through the spot. Yes, we we're going through the second time, and then the wind shifted enough to start just pushing these weed bogs out to the middle of the lake, and they just totally disappeared. And so did the muskies. <laughs> we never saw them again on like our second pass, third pass, fourth pass. Never saw yes. them on Sunday. <laughs> What's that? They they vacated. Yeah, they just got out of dodge. They... Gone. Uh, yeah, so that, that was, was unfortunate. Because those were some nice fish to go back on. So if, if any of you out there have experienced that, we'd really like to hear that because that was just something wild. And I don't know if I've ever heard of something like that. 
it's just it's not something we're used to up here at all i mean we don't get that many floating weeds to be honest so yes i mean when that happened and you know that was obviously we spent some significant time in that area i don't know about you but i think at that point we were feeling a little bit you know the the adrenaline had kind of worn off from fish number one we were anticipating getting some clouds that day that just just like you could see them out in the distance and they just were not coming that sun was just beating down the wind was you know whatever it would pick up move some stuff around and then it would lay back down and it would just feel atrocious out it's a saturday in madison you know you got people banging taylor swift on their docks you got people playing some shitty rap music on their boat like you know 40 feet away from us you got jet skiers flying around you you know we got pan fishermen staring needles pins and needles through us i'm about to die of heat stroke yeah yeah and like it just you know it became a saturday in the summer and the muskie tournament was like going on on the lake but the lake was just having a normal day and shit just got tough like it it just felt i don't know that i'm sure you know fish were still obviously being caught throughout the day but i think from what it sounded like and when people caught fish that day and kind of what we were talking to, like when we were talking to people after at the, the first um, kind of re- recap night, um, like the, it, the bite just shut down. Yeah. I think there was a cap at like noon or one and then it was just like nothing. Yeah. I mean, we had that one fish and we got a text from the tournament director at 3 PM. The tournament didn't end till four telling us to come to the you know area that they're going to interview the top 10 teams and we were like did they text us like did they text us to everybody or what like what is this about there's still an hour left like are we really yeah we're trying to catch another fish (laughs) yeah like how can they even say that we're still how do they know we're in the top 10 like either we were like either there's been no fish caught today or like they screwed up and uh yeah i mean they're just, I think in total, there was 17 fish caught on Saturday and the bite just, I mean, it just vacated on both lakes. It seemed like afternoon. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know exactly what happened there. I, I, I think there was like an afternoon moon phase, but just nothing was going on. It just, it, it did truly feel dead. So I, I think that kind of concluded Saturday and then seeing that we were invited, you know, to the top 10 recap. That was, you know, good, good to hear that we were able to make it with our one fish. I mean, cause like, like we we're saying before, we thought it was going to be a shootout. And then we find out that it was a tough day for a lot of people. And we're sitting up there with, you know, our 41 and three quarters and a bunch of fish moved and a bunch of fish to go back to. And we're feeling pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Saturday ended up being a freaking grind, like I was saying, with all those, you know, a lot of action on the water, and I mean, like, action as far as, like, pleasure boaters and stuff like that, and the heat just got outrageous. I think we both kind of were hitting some breaking points mentally of just, like, what time is it? <laughs> is it almost four yet? Yeah. And, like, we kind of started getting loopy where, you know, I for the last, like, 20 minutes of Saturday, I just kept shouting Miracle Fish because i was just yeah. praying that we could get because i think you know after we caught it at 8 30 we we like stamped in a second 
fish that day, which is just so dumb. I mean, we we were we were riding high. Uh, we should have known like it. The the flip switches on and off so easily in this sport, and you know that happened. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, we felt good about our day. Like especially after seeing the results, we were just like, well, shit. I mean, we're in fourth place, and we have some fish, like you said. So Saturday night was the same game plan. You know, drank some beers, ate some Chipotle, watched some hockey, and went to bed super early. And I think we were very well prepared from for what looked like, you know, via the Weather Channel that it was going to be, if we thought Saturday was a grind, Sunday was going to be a, a huge grind. Yeah, we really didn't know what to expect Sunday with that just kind of intense cold snap coming in. And I really don't. I mean, some of the other anglers could have been lying. I know I wasn't at that recap when I said, I have no idea what to expect on Sunday. A few of them were saying the fish could push out deep. They could stay where they are and just hunker down, or they could all push in shallow. We really don't know, but all we know is that it's going to be gnarly, cold, windy, rainy, just all of the above. I mean, like I said, with those fish pictures, you could have fooled me and said all these fish were caught in November last year or something like that. But we, with our experience, I think we both agreed kind of right away to for sure, obviously go back on fish waypoints and in general, which was actually a very good thing. Most of our fish that we moved and the one that was caught in the first day were pretty shallow and shallow was a relative relative term when I'm talking shallow, I mean shallower than probably 98% of the people out there were fishing. I mean, we saw a ton of trollers, and they only trolled deep. There was a ton of casters just bombing casts out. I don't know. If I said the weed edge was at like 11 where it's thick, they were out there in 15, 17, 20, just bombing casts out there. And we weren't, and we felt like we had a good idea that this cold snap would just hunker the fish that we were moving right where they were or a little bit shallower making them i wouldn't say easy to get to because it's tough ripping through some of those shallow weeds but we're like that i think we're gonna go shallow i think we're gonna fish where we were fishing and just push in from there and kind of reassess after that so again we we had a good good game plan of just going back on fish and and trying to kind of get up in the slop a little bit and well i don't know how much this would give away the spot at all but the first morning or sorry the sunday morning we decided to go to where we moved a bunch of fish and and we couldn't hold there for much longer than 30 minutes 25 minutes i don't know if that we got the shit kicked out of us i could that barely wind make was... a cast on the front of the boat yeah, that wind was pounding in there, and we were getting some clean casts. Uh, we didn't get any bumps. We didn't get any follows. And then I was trying to kind of, I mean, I was get, I, I kept my Tarova at like seven. I don't know, something crazy like that. And the the wind gusts would push the boat to going zero miles an hour, and then also I jumped to one mile an hour, and then back down to zero, and the boat would be going up and down and the trolling motor would be popping out of the water. And I'm trying to get up in the really thick stuff and I'm getting a weed on every single cast with my tube. And, and even though it was like during the morning major, 
I, I was like, dude, we gotta go. We get we like <laughs> we know there's fish here, but I can't get an effective cast out. Like it's not even worth it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was like, say less, put the beta on my route. I was like, let's get out, let's get that out of here. Let's zoom out of here. So lucky for all you 620, 621, 622 Ranger owners, you could probably tough that out. And I've I heard that there was quite a few fish caught in that wind, but we had to hunker ourselves a little bit. But it's kind of a blessing in disguise that we had some we had some fish moved in some less windy areas, thankfully. And that kind of just brought us back to the place that we, we were finding fish. And and that's when we just started pushing even more shallow. Um, I don't think we saw a fish at this point. A uh, good two hours into the tournament. And when did you catch your big pike, Max, in the morning? What time was, was that like, at? I think it was at like 9.30. No, the fish I caught was at 9.30. And it was before it. Uh, let me look one sec. Dude, I caught that pike at 8, 8 a.m. Oh. <laughs> oh, so we were in that area for a while. Yeah. Okay, so you caught that pike early. So we went back to this area, and I think actually one thing on why it started bumping up even shallower, even though we are kind of playing on that, is that I finally saw a musky porpoise and not a carp come flying out of the water and i'm like dude that was a muskie I, I looked over and i thought i just saw something like floating on the surface and then i see it kick and swim down and i'm like okay that was just a muskie sitting there and then it swam back down that like 100 percent, probably a big fish it's usually big fish that do that we're gonna hammer this area and at this point when he said 8 a.m he caught that big pike it was still humid out so it felt really really fishy and I know you put on an IC nine, which sound, which sounds like a great idea. You you can you can tell this on on this cool but very unfortunate story. Yeah, you want to make me relive that? No, oh, it was sure. it was fine, but it was probably the most like disappointing personal best of a fish ever. I you know there's not that many big pike in Vilas County. I mean there's there are certain lakes that have big pike, but I. I've caught a few okay ones, but nothing crazy. And um, yeah, I was throwing the blade like three turns in, just absolutely walloped way out in the cast, and felt really good. Fish was staying down, so we didn't get eyes on it. I mean, it would made it like a run, you know, barrel rolling down there. Felt like a really good fish. Felt felt some big head shakes. Ninety nine percent sure it was a muskie at this point. So you know, I'm shaking, and uh. The fish was, like I said, it was kind of, it was bearing down. And as I felt him kind of getting closer to the boat, I lifted up to, for Gus to scoop him. And it's like, as Gus is sliding the net under the fish, I just hear Gus go, no way. <laughs> I look down, I'm yeah. just like, you gotta be kidding me. And this is like this 40 inch, just lanky pike with a massive head. <laughs> it's like, I've never caught a pike that big. Um, so that it was really cool. But at the same time, like we were really in need of a fish on Sunday. And I thought I was finally going to be able to contribute after, you know, Saturday. So I was all fired up until that thing slid in the bag. We took a quick picture with it. And then I pretty much just missled it down back into the water. And, 
we moved on and I don't think you or I like really said a word for like six, seven minutes after that. Cause we were both just kind of like pretty defeated. I, like what can we do to get, I mean, it, at this point it had been, you know, we fished all day Saturday, you know, we were a little bit in the morning on Sunday, hadn't really seen or had a chance at a muskie. So we just felt like that was it. Conditions felt good. Spot felt good. And uh, I think the one takeaway we had was like, okay, I mean, if there's a positive here, it's the, the, the area is holding big fish. So let's just stick around again and worked out. Yeah. I had no words when that became a pike as it got close, yeah. but was we, 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 we moved on and, and just kind of kept fishing shallow. Now that we actually finally laid on eyes on a musky Sunday whether it wasn't in a follow and we really, we never got a follow on Sunday at all, but we're like, okay, they're kind of up in this slop. We can't really rip a tube super fast because it's a nasty cold front. And I don't think we either, either of us agreed that snapping a tube really quickly was the right call. Um, I think this is kind of when you, you or I, we kind of gravitated more towards like a Medusa like a shallow rigged Medusa that would kind of hang there. Uh, we put on a crane bait and I think we put on an eight inch Navin with a weight, which we like to use in shallow weeds to kind of just hang there and be a small presentation. And this is kind of, we got a reboost in confidence because it started to get cold and dry out there. Not, not dry in, in, in the rain sense, there's plenty of rain, but the humidity was leaving the air. You could feel it. And it was just getting bitter cold out there. So this is when we decided to go to that pull pause, hang there in their face type lures and stick to the shallow depth. And we went, I think, a long, a long ways without seeing anything. And then we kind of went back to the area. We saw the fish and got the big pike. Do you remember what I was throwing before I switched? I can't remember exactly, but I, I do remember we were a oh. little bit lost as to what to throw. Do you remember? Suic. Yeah, I think I was throwing yeah. a 10-inch weighted suic, which I also really like in those types of depths. And and I saw that you rigged up that all-black crane bait. I don't know what they call it for size, but it's the very small, short, fat one that kind of looks like a panfish. It's not the minnow. It's like the panfish-style crane. I don't really see too many of those get used. And I think it was like absolute gold for you to buy that one, Max, because we're in Madison. They have a shitload of bluegills and they love all black lures because it's green, green stained water. I mean, that's like all I really ever use anyways in green stained water. So I pick up that rod because I think we're just kind of floating in a circle in this area. And I think I pointed out to Max, I'm like, oh, there's this kind of like, cool little in-cut in the weeds a little bit like it was very very small where it kind of got a, it stayed a little deeper closer than other areas and i couldn't have been pitching that crane bait for very long just doing not super long sweeps not very hard rips just kind of cool and smooth and, and keeping it a little bit irregular and it was coming down hard in the rain and we each had our hoods completely up and if I remember correctly, I bring the crane bait directly in front of me, and then I swing to my left. And as I'm swinging to my left, I just see this submarine kind of come up in the line of where my crankbait is, 
and get closer and closer and turn with the bait. And immediately I'm like, okay, this fish is going to eat. I'm going to bring it to this first turn and just let it sit there. Brought it up, let it hang there. I really thought this fish was going to come and pretty much inhale the bait. I mean, at this point, I don't really know how big this fish was because there's waves. It was cloudy. Uh, I just didn't get a great look at it because it almost was like coming so low and close to the boat that I had to like peek over to see it. But I didn't want to, I don't even know if I said like Max follow or here's one. I might have, but I don't think he heard me. And when I hung it there, instead of him engulfing the lure, he just like nipped the back. But I kind of saw him eat enough of the bait where I wanted to hook set. And I mean, it's tough. It's an all black lure in very dark water. And I set back down towards me, you know, kind of trying to go set back into the fish a little bit. And as soon as I set the hook, all hell breaks loose. So I'm like, okay, he's hooked. I don't know how well he's hooked though. So that's when yeah, I, you, you were yelling, be cooked, I was, be cooked. <laughs> I was yelling either be cooked or barely hooked. And yeah. I don't think I ever, I usually say fish or got one or, oh, I don't know. I don't really know what I usually say, but the first words out of my mouth there was we're barely hooked. <laughs> so yeah, I was yelling that. And that's when you turn around. I think you, you just threw a cast out. Cause I know where your lure yeah, is. Like I literally chucked the, I like chucked the rod on the, on the floor of the boat. Cause I'm just like, I don't yeah. care. Grab the net. Barely. Hooked, yeah. Barely hooked, grab the yeah. net. Yeah. Sprung into uh, actions. Like so just this fish panic at the disco <laughs> moment. Yeah. This, this fish is just fighting like crazy where we both could just f- see the entire crankbait fully exposed. So, so sketchy in a tournament sense. Um, I'm more so playing it somewhat lightly I like to keep some pretty hard tension up on it, depending on which way the fish is going. Uh, you know, don't don't try and pull the hooks out of it. I don't usually would st- stick my rod fully in the water with a beak hooked fish or a fish that's not hooked super well. So I keep that tension. I'm trying to drag this thing up there, and this is when musky blackout 2.0 sets in. I still haven't relooked at the footage yet, Max. Uh, you know, I just got home not too long ago. But you, you had a better idea to that fish try and get, you know, into the net once and get out. Was yeah, so I, I tried to net it like a total rick. I tried to net it bat when it was backward, like tail first, which is like the biggest no-no, don't do it, never worth it kind of thing. Because at that point, like, I just wanted to be, I was like trying to be a hero, haven't contributed shit. I'm like, I'm just getting this damn fish in the bag, no matter how it can be as unconventional as possible. But I do remember the second it kind of came up, I like tried to net it and you were yelling, no, no, no. And it, yeah. like it was in the bag and it just fired out of that thing. Like there was no shot I was netting that fish. And yeah, it, um, that got really dicey, but it stayed pinned. It's somehow was just still on at this point. I think when it, I was kind of somewhat prepared for it, maybe to go in the net there. I don't know. I don't think I had a good, I, I didn't have my thumb ready to free spool. Cause I think I was switching hands because when I, I was still like holding the rod weird from the hook set on the figure eight with like my opposite hand or something. And I like, didn't know if I wanted to switch. So I didn't get a free spool and that thing took that run out of the net. 
And I think that's what I'm like leaning over and reaching forward to like not have so much tension because I don't want to rip these hooks out. I think I was using like those, uh, I don't even know the brand, but they're like ultra sharp. I wouldn't say ultra thin, but I think they're kind of along the 1X, 2X heavy just to kind of keep the crankbait from like, I don't want it to sink. I don't want to use too heavy of hooks. But since it was hooked only on that back hook, that meant the front hook was fully exposed, which is the sketchy part about netting a fish green or not head first. And I mean, it's tough to, this all happens so fast. We each have our hood up, hoods up, so it's hard to hear. This is a difficult time to communicate, but I think after it did that powerful run, it kind of swam directly at the boat. It went under the it boat. Was kind of, yeah, yeah, and it kind of came under the boat and was kind of coming up and it was like turning to you, I think, towards the front of the boat. And I might have probably said, like, get the net down or like get ready or something like that. Cause sometimes you can you can get those fish when they're right next to the boat. I'm trying to remember exactly how or what there I know the fish was netted with the with the bait still like not going head first into the net. And I think like half the fish was kind of I don't know. I'm trying to remember. I might have to really look back at the footage and I'm really, I'm really blacking out on this, but I know that that bait got hung on the rim of the net, well, which was so, so for my, I guess, vantage point of how I remember, it, and it, it could be different looking back at the film, but again, yes, it was a total cluster, you know, it, ultimately the bait, like you said, it got hung on the rim. The fish kind of, fell into the net i was and it was trying to swim vertically the bait was still in its mouth but it was also on the net so he was pinned to the side of the net he's trying to get up vertically because he had leverage with the water and i and as you were pulling back i was pulling the net up so we literally were like bringing the fish up out of the Hoisting water it out of the water but it was and still then in it the net. finally like went straight vertical but it was on the inside of the bag and you started celebrating you're like yes and i think i had like a better view at it and i was like get the hook cutters get the hook cutters because yeah this fish still has like leverage if it wanted to actually like because it was i mean i think half of its snout was like out of the net at this point and mm -hmm. you like ran grabbed the hook cutters you per like just stuck your hand in there and just clipped it and the fish like falls perfectly into the bag and we both are just like getting, we yes. started hugging and yeah like freaking out like are you kidding me did that just happen because i mean yeah when you catch a fish like that size in the eight pouring rain shitty weather like it's just a whole in a tournament i mean it was just such a cool moment like seeing that thing drop into the drop in the net and both of us just went wild it was it was pretty cool yeah, then then we really started to know it was real. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I would I went in there with the hook cutters and quickly clipped it and I I obviously grabbed the fish and and uh took the pliers and got the hook back out, the rest of the hook that was in there. And it turns out after all this craziness and chaos, that thing was fully pinned, all three trebles corner hooked. <laughs> That thing Never was, going, was going anywhere. That was going only, nowhere. Only way that fish would have gotten off is if I would have 
fully botched in that job. I only half botched it, thankfully. Oh, so we, I think we each take a sigh of relief and, and, uh, it's definitely warmed us up. We're probably very cold at this point. I think I was just drenched in my gear. I know you were too, but the spirits were back to being very high again. So can I just quickly, cause I was DMing with him before the podcast. I just want to quickly talk about a really funny chain of events to, you know, for that fish to happen. And it, it totally could have hit on a different bait, but I mean, you were in the back of the boat and you know we were, I was fishing out of both sides or whatever, but you know, didn't, didn't hit on any of the baits I was throwing. And so the, the that black crane bait was a bait that I'd always wanted. I've seen it online and everything like that. And it's been a lot of the crane baits have been sold out like all winter long. None of the, none of the shops like had it available. None of the shops had them available. And uh, I remember I was listening to like backlash or some podcast that Jeff Vandermortal was on and he was talking about tournament fishing and he was like, yeah, if I ever like really need one more fish or whatever, one of the baits I always go to is a crane bait. He's like, I just feel like I can always pull fish out of, you know, cover, get fish moving with that bait. And I was like pretty bored on a Saturday afternoon and I was, I kind of had musky fever in like February and I went to Thorn Bros here in, in Minneapolis and I texted Gus, I was like, do you want anything? You know, I'm, I'm looking for just kind of some unique baits that they might have. And we were kind of, we're talking about, I think crank baits and you're like, yeah, you know, if you find any crank baits, um, you know, let me know and we'll get a few. And lo and behold, there was one crane bait left and it was that black crane bait. And the guy was like, yeah, we have one crane bait left in the store. And that was it. So it's kind of crazy to think because we would have never had that lure had I not heard that podcast, then had not been bored on that Saturday afternoon in the middle of winter and gone to Thorn Bros and they had one single one left. And I don't think a new shipment of crane baits hasn't come in really to any places until like very recently. So we would not have had one for this tournament like that. So it's just kind of crazy to think back like, Without all that, who knows what you're throwing in that scenario. Maybe you still had a tube or a Medusa and that bait just goes right by that fish's face without him even moving, you know? Yeah, I think I agree there. That's just crazy chain of events to get that lure on because that was not a lure of choice pretty much at all going into the tournament. I mean, we knew no. it was going to be tough cold front on, on Sunday, but I didn't think it was going to be that cold and just that brutal to – to kind of downsize and and i don't know if any of those guys on the uh who caught the really really big ones downsized much i mean they might have i don't think they really gave away that much i mean honestly here we don't really care too much i mean we like just being open and transparent with like what we're working i mean unless i got some top secret thing going on but no i we did not think that that bait was going to come in handy and it sure did i mean that thing is just a nice little bite-sized snack for the muskies and that just confirmed to us that they're biting shallow and we're going to stick to it with with crankbaits and i think you you threw on then a seven inch slammer all black real quick that fish just to work just to recap just yeah. to recap that fish was 44 and three quarters it was a big fish yep i and 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 i had no idea it was that big until i took it out of the net I honestly thought it was like the same size as the last fish. It looked it didn't look that big when it came to the eight. It it fought well, you know, fought hard, but 
I, I had really had no idea until I took it out and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. This thing is, it's kind of extending longer. on us. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. really extending on the board there. Uh, uh, yep. Take some picks, you know, <laughs> let's send this one. <laughs> so yeah, that gave us some pretty good confidence to stay shallow. Uh, rip some crankbaits. Like I said, Max put on a seven inch slammer, I believe. And we just kind of got to work. Uh, I think it just still stayed really tough. I think we went to go try one more spot in the wind just because I, we wanted to kind of like go where we think there was bait fish getting pushed up on really shallow in an area where we knew a lot of people fished out deep. But if we were able to snipe a fish that slid up from all the bait fish getting pushed in, that would be pretty cool. But the same thing happened like in the morning. We just couldn't hold it. Getting too many weeds, couldn't like work baits effectively. It felt really good. It felt like if we stuck that out for a really like a longer time for a bite window, we could have found one, but we didn't specifically have a fish to go back on the spot. It just looked really good on paper. So with that, we kind of just decided, all right, let's just go back to the honey hole and keep ripping it in shallow. And we're just going to try for one more fish. And I think it became pretty uneventful the rest of the rest of Sunday morning, I saw one more porpoise behind the boat. There's quite a few people around. And I started pitching back, put a waypoint down, and I think we went over that fish three more times before the tournament ended. Didn't see it again. And then it started to get to the end end, and we were just exhausted because when we weren't working pull-pause baits, we were working baits that pulled hard. So we were not really easy on our bodies at all the last two days. And the cold shivering rain was not helping at all. And I did, I did the old backdoor 40 cast at 1255. We were going to call it at that cast. And as I just launch a tube, like a country mile, I looked to my right because I was casting off the opposite side of the boat. I looked to my right behind the engine and there's like this behemoth big gal that just surfaced like 25 feet from the boat. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like I knew, <laughs> I knew they're in, we knew they're in this area and you're showing yourself now we're going to put a waypoint down and we're not going to come back to you for another, who knows when we're going to make it back to the Madison chain. But we decided, yeah. we just, I had reeled in quick. You tossed at it. We didn't get it. It was twelve fifty seven. We had to call it. We just didn't want to rush the last fish, or we didn't want to have the heartbreak of not being able to count a fish. Uh, so that that concluded the PMTT twenty twenty three Madison, and we are still just super pumped about the results that we were able to get out of this out of these lakes. And at, we, at first, we really didn't know where we were going to stand. Uh, we heard some great news that. That our buddies uh, Jeremy and Trevor Barber stuck a 46 and a half on Sunday as well. So that got them a double. I mean, I think they had the 45 and three quarters and 46 and a half. So we're like, hell yeah. I mean, that those are awesome fish. You guys, you know, deserve them. I know they really, really wanted to get to the championship. And, uh, but we, we just still didn't know where we were going to get placed because somewhere in that, that tough time of the morning, we looked on Facebook and, or Max, you looked on Facebook and were like, oh, there's some big ins caught today. Like they they showed off the 51 and a half, the 52 and three quarters. 
saying that no fish under 40 has been caught. There's some doubles and we're like, wow, <laughs> thankfully we, we got that second one in the bag. Cause that, that could have been heartbreaking, uh, not being able to, to get, to get in the, on the podium, but we went to the recap event, found out we placed in fifth and, and that was awesome. That was, that was pretty much the end of it. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy with how we did. I was stoked. I was relieved when that when it hit one o'clock. I ain't gonna lie to you. It was we were pretty Me beat too, up, bro. Me yeah. too. Yeah. So yeah, another really really fun tournament in the books. Um, it's been a good run here these last few. So hoping to keep that rolling. We're heading to well, Brian and I got the PMCC championship up in Eagle River in a few weeks, which should be most likely a shit show but it'll be fun and then uh you and i get to go to vermilion in august which is a trip i've been looking forward to this since the second we booked it so um yeah that uh tournament fishing man it's just it's just really fun i know some people are kind of hot and cold on it but um i think you know for us like we grew up playing sports team sports and uh it's just a lot of fun to kind of reignite some of the competitive juices and you know just have some fun um you know fishing with you it's cool to see you in action getting it done so yeah i uh I'm, i think speaking of being relieved something's over i need to go to bed i had to go to work tomorrow and it's all good man close to midnight here so let's that let's wrap this it. up for sure um Anything else to look forward to that we got coming up for the pod besides getting microphones? Huge upgrade. Big time. Big time upgrade. Um, I know we got some guests lined up. Uh, I think we'll keep them. I think we'll keep them. Yeah, I think I think we'll keep them top secret for now. But uh, as always, stay tuned. Appreciate all our listeners. Thank you for all the feedback. We really love to hear it. I mean, if it's good or bad, let us know. I know one of them was Mike's. I hope this fixes that. Uh, so, so yeah. If if you got the feedback, just just let us know. I'll give my socials real quick before we head out. But, but yeah, had a fun time chatting with you, Max. Uh, as always, that was an awesome tournament, and I'm just really looking forward to the next one. Let's just keep the ball rolling and and uh, strike while the iron's hot. So, all right, brother man, I'll see you soon. Have a good week. Good luck at Monday Night Musky League tomorrow night. You're back at it. I'm pretty excited for a break. I know my back's pretty excited as well. So, yeah, before we go, I'm just going to quick give my socials out. Uh, I, I still have some times here in the summer. If you want to book me for a guide trip on Instagram, it's Suggs Fishing. You can find me on Facebook at Suggs Fishing Guide Service or add me as a friend. You can also contact me in my cell phone, which is 920-264-3816. Give me a text or a phone call. If you don't, if I don't answer, just leave me a voicemail. And be sure to check out my website. Gotta appreciate Jeff Lang for doing that for me. And uh, definitely go check out the Musky Metrics app. I know that's kind of been helping us this year on just dialing in bite patterns throughout the day. But Website is www.sugsfishing.com. So be sure to check that out. 
And as always, thank you guys for listening. We don't have Brian here to say goodnight to y'all. I know y'all missed that. (laughs) Or he just rambles for about 12 seconds. But we'll see you guys on the next pod. All right. Take care, man.